I've set goals up that I constantly have to chase. And I think that's where the lulls come from, right? It's especially in mortgage brokering. You hit the streets, you take the realtors out begrudgingly, you do your marketing, pipeline fills up. Oh crap, I'm busy. I got to process all these deals. You don't do all the regular stuff. You close the deals, you get paid, but the pipeline, the momentum stopped. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here. Today, I have a guest podcast host, Chris Kalinske. Chris is a mortgage associate based out of Saskatoon. And if you have a chance, go check out what Chris is doing on social media with video and interacting with his audience. He is fantastic at engaging with his audience via social. Very good communicator. You're going to love this episode. He has Chris Turcott on the show. Chris is the president of Centum Mortgage Group. And Chris just really shares some concepts and strategies around how to be better at your business. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. This episode is sponsored by Finmo. Finmo is Canada's fastest growing mortgage origination platform. This is according to Phylogic's numbers. A couple of quick things I love about Finmo. First, they designed this app from the ground up with the borrower in mind, which means it's super easy for your borrower to use and they'll actually use it. This reduces friction in the mortgage process and nobody wants friction in the mortgage process. Second, they make document collection super simple. So the application's intelligent. Someone fills it out. It starts to figure out what documents are going to need. And when they hit the send button, they immediately get a list of documents that they need that they need to start gathering and upload to you directly. And finally, the um, Finmo recognize that mortgage brokers are all different. They all want to run their business differently. So Finmo integrated with Zapier, which means you can digitally connect Finmo to literally any app or tool you can imagine. Sign up for Finmo. You'll receive a 30-day free trial of Finmo Pro. They have awesome customer support and they'll help you hit the ground running. Finmo is the skip the dishes of mortgages. What's up, Broker Nation? My name is Chris Kalinske, and I'm a mortgage associate here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I'm also your guest host for this episode of the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast. And today, I have a guest that flew all the way in from Vancouver, BC. He is the CEO and president of the Centum Network and Real Property Management, Chris Turcott. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Before we get into it, I just wanted to get a little bit about your story. So maybe just start off with who you are and uh, what's your story. I'm going to be fair to the audience and not talk about brand at all. I'll just talk about me in general. I started off being a uh, working for one of the large institutions that we should probably we'll leave them nameless, yellow and blue. But yes. anyways, uh, whoops, terrible. <laughs> worked for a major institution uh, from the time I was 17. I was too young to actually work up front, so I worked in the cash cage till I was old enough to work up front. Did that my entire uh, life. Finally bowed out in my late 20s when I had the opportunity to become a branch manager, and I saw the ceiling and I saw the ceiling really early and I knew really early on, I was like, I'm not ready to settle for that. At the time I was doing uh, private banking for high net worth clients in a um, snowbird project. And one of them offered me a role to step outside of the uh, finance industry. I'll give you the really reader's digest version in the spirit of time. That was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, ended up in Brandon, Manitoba. That is a totally different story for another time, guys. (laughs) Moved there for a girl. Anyways, didn't work out. Found the girl that is now my wife. We went for our very first mortgage. And uh, it's a fun story that I think is so valuable. And you could coach uh, your realtors on it because, you know, they do need coaching. Let's yes, be honest. Absolutely. This realtor I owe my entire career to as my now wife and I were walking through our very first condo together. The realtor said, hey, would you like, you know, are you pre-approved? I said, yeah, don't worry. I was with Royal Bank. I still have a staff rate. Don't worry. I'm untouchable. Don't worry about that. I'm good to go. Everything's secure. And he wouldn't take no for an answer. And he was like, well, 
have you ever talked to a mortgage broker? And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm approved at the bank. I don't need a mortgage broker. I have good credit. Right. And that's actually the line I use. I'm like, I don't need a broker. I have good credit. Because <laughs> of course I was trained, you know. Brokers. That was a stigma back then as oh, well. Oh, 100%. It was like, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not a bad, like, what are you judging me? And this realtor, this line saved everything. They were like, look, zero obligation. You continue walking around the house. I'm going to call my mortgage broker, put him on speakerphone. I don't care what room you're in. Shout out what your five year is. And would you agree that if he could beat it, it's maybe worth going to see the guy? What do you say? Yeah, right? it's like, no, you can't say that. So, of course, I say to my wife, I'm like, yeah, we're going to embarrass this clown, right? And uh, the uh, realtor calls. And uh, I learned after the fact that the realtor was very smart and messaged the broker and said, hey, look, this proud banker. That's a good relationship. Like, make sure you have a good. And I didn't realize that he was using first line points <laughs> to give me like a knock your socks off rate. Yep. So he gets on the phone. I shout out the rate. and. Uh, I say to my wife, I'm like, he's quoting me a variable rate. I'm like, that's I'm like, no, no, no. I think it was a three, four, nine at the time. Okay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you're quoting me variable because it's lower. Like this is fixed. And he's like, no, 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 that's a five-year fixed. And it got really <laughs> quiet. And that was it. And I was like, I'm crazy not to see this guy. So fast forward, we're getting through the approval. We had wrote an offer and uh, the company I worked for at the time was downsizing. Okay. It was a major Canadian corporation that downsized across the country. And halfway through the approval, I got bought out and so did everyone in my entire department. So I had a full year severance, jobless. but jobless halfway through the application, right? Oh no! So I called the broker and I say, Hey, look, first of all, you really changed my mind to mortgage brokers. Like I really value your time. I know how this works because I was a lender for years. When your bank calls to verify the employment, like it's, not going to be there. Yeah. So I'd like to give you 500 bucks for your time. Thanks so much for opening my mind to something new. And uh, long pause. And he goes, you're all conditioned satisfied. I was all conditioned satisfied yesterday. I'm like, so what are you saying? He's like, you want the condo? I'm like, well, I need a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, well, you just told me out of your severance. When we did the mortgage application, you talked me through the whole thing. Yep. Why don't you try this? And I said, I've never lived in this city. It was, yeah. it was a farming community in Brandon. Like I'd never lived there before. No relationships. No relationships, no yeah. sphere of influence, nothing. And he was like, what have you got to lose? You have a year's severance. Like, you know, your mortgage payments are covered. Like dive in. Yeah. I thought, what the heck? So I did that within six months. I was his top producing agent. And within the first year I was out producing him and his entire office combined and uh, got hooked. Fast forward. I ended up, uh, that was a, a non centum brand at the time. Yep. Yep. The Sentum office across the street had tried to recruit me several times, politely turned them down. An opportunity came up that the partners that had owned the Sentum were trying to liquidate. Okay. They were all looking towards retirement, made me an offer I couldn't refuse, ended up buying my own brokerage. It had two other people. When I left the role in 2016, we had 23 agents across three different branches in Manitoba and easily the best time of my life. And, and now I just, I am a broker, regardless of what hat I'm wearing. Yep. I am a mortgage broker. I think that's, so that's me unique, in a nutshell. That's the unique position that you're in right now. Like, yeah, yeah you're at the top here, yeah. but you've been there and you've done that and you know the process, you know how brokers work, right? So yeah, that's awesome. So we know how you got in the mortgage business. One of the things that we always like to touch on is an inspirational quote or a motivational quote. So for myself, I love reading quotes or, you know, though sometimes I'll be scrolling on my Instagram feed and yeah. I'll see a quote that really resonates with me and gets me jacked up. Right. Do you have a quote? I don't know if I looked them to be jacked. I, I really use them to like reaffirm my values or give me a perspective on my current values, yeah. but there is one. So there is one that, um, that I posted a long time ago. I play on Instagram. So if you've, uh, <laughs> 
Go check me out if you haven't. It's uh, Chris Turcott and then underscore. Seriously, anyway. go check him out. He's got a lot of good content. Shameful plug, and I appreciate you letting <laughs> me get away with that. So there is one that means something really, really uh, near and dear to me. It's Smooth Waters has never made a good sailor. And I know a bit of your story. Yep. A lot of people know my story. And uh, that one, to me, stands out in my mind on the regular. I think it makes you resilient, right? Like, if things happen, you know kind of how to... Well, and I think not only that, I think it constantly reminds me of not only my story, but it's so applicable to uh, business as well. It's stuff's going to happen. Bad stuff is going to happen. It is inevitable. What you have to realize in the moment is what you're going to learn, how much stronger you're going to come out on the other side. And that's what that quote means to me. And whenever there's something going completely sideways, I focus on the fact that when we get through it, because you always will. It never feels like it in the moment, but you always get through it. And I think about the fact that I'm going to come out stronger and more informed. Do you have an example of how you've implemented that quote, I guess, in your life or business? Yeah. So I think I could go a couple different routes, but I'll use... I'll probably use, I'll go a little off the beaten path if I may. Most recently with real property management, that was like a complete rebuild. I think this is applicable to any business, including just your personal portfolio of a business. When I came on the scene there, it was something that was lacking systems processes. It needed a makeover kind of thing. And it was a daunting task. Right. Going in and I knew that I understood how to build a team, create a culture, put systems and processes into place. But it was a daunting task given that it was slightly unfamiliar and it was that it could have been very easy to get overwhelmed in that moment. But that quote came to mind where it was like, you know what? No matter what, we're going to get through it. Yeah. I have the team. I can create the infrastructure. The culture have been very, very fortunate to have good people come into my life and join the team. We will get through this. And imagine where we'll be and where the organization will be when we do. Only better. Yeah. And you know what? You think about that in that moment and you immediately become grounded and you're like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to be pretty, but let's get to work. Kind of makes you focused on the, not the eye on the prize, but it makes you focused on that end goal. Yeah. And it takes all the nerves out of it. You know, no matter what, you're going to get through it. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to get through it and there'll be a big reward at the end. And I find when I do that, my mind completely clears and I just get down to work. I love it. That's great stuff. Next is successful people typically have some sort of morning routine, whether that's, you know, waking up drinking coffee in the morning, reading the newspaper, consuming some sort of media. What's your routine? My morning routine actually starts at night. And I talk a lot about this in my uh, social media content. So I have a journal that I've done for years. Okay. In the spirit of time, I'll shortcut this, but it's a journal that essentially it is not a to-do list. Okay. It's not organize my filing cabinet. It's not clean my desk. It's two or three. Well, first of all, it's one grand important thing that if I do that, it will inch me closer to my long-term visionary goals. Yep. Two subtasks that are just, you know, of secondary importance, but still inch me towards it. And then if I have a very productive day, there's three more bonus ones, smaller ones that I know are, are more so like pieces of the puzzle that will keep the momentum going. And I hold myself accountable. Nothing else happens until I get the first one done because it's deemed the most important. Yep. I'm not allowed to skip ahead to number two because that's what we do. We put off, do you ever consume any Darren Hardy? If you guys consume Darren Hardy, he has a saying called eat the frog. Okay. We all have that thing that we know is super important, but we put it off because it's uh, just such a pain in the ass, yep. right? Like, I'm sorry, I wasn't sure if I should uh, <laughs> feel right. a potty mouth there, but you put it off because it's just that pain point. That's number one in the book. I w- will not allow myself to get to the secondary or the third ones until the first one is done. No matter what, I can't be derailed. So I do that the night before. So when I wake up, I review my day. I make sure that my calendar is, and that's the other big mistake, writing it down, but then not going to your calendar and and allotting the time is pointless. And I see that all the time. People be like, oh, I write it down, but then I have a jam day. 
well, that's your fault. Yeah, you should have worked it in there. So my morning routine, wake up, look at the calendar, align it with my journal and make sure that I have the time allotted to be able to do it. Because guess what? If I don't allot the time, and this is a self-awareness and accountability thing, I am not allowed to end my day until I've checked those off. And that's a hard rule for myself, non-negotiable. And that means I'm up till midnight. It has like it has to be done. See, I love the concept of having hard rules because if there's a little bit of play in that and you let it go one time, then it happens again. You're like, ah, oh, I did it once and let it go and let it go. I like that concept of the hard rule thing. But so. it, but you have to hold yourself accountable. And that's the one thing that people tend to lack. Oh, it's like, it's all on you. 100%. Like, if you decide not to do it, that's an excuse, right? It's uh, exactly. So anyways, that's my morning routine. I make sure that I have the, uh, the time. I tend to check, and I know this is a no-no, I do check social media, but I don't consume at all. Generally, I'm getting, I work with uh, Brendan, our magic behind the scenes. Generally, I make sure he has captions. I have never, ever gone without a comment responded to or a DM responded to in any of my social media platforms. So I'll make sure those are all done. And then that's it. It's, um, I'll wake up early. I'll wait for my, uh, my girls to get up. So my daughter and my wife, and I'll be dad for a little bit. And then that's it, out the door. There you go. What is the best business advice that you've received and who'd you receive that from? Who this one's tough. So audibly, I heard this from the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world, specifically yep. Gary V for sure. In practice, I had several mentors. So there's a gentleman by the name of Ray Brownlee. And if anyone knows him, it's consuming this. He's been in real estate for 30, 35, 40 years, retired now, salt of the earth. He lived it and embodied it. And then the founder of our organization, Mr. You, Gary Charlwood, lives it and breathes it. And it really, uh, it comes down to relationships are currency. And that is probably the best advice. Gary Vee has said it, but to watch legends in their field put it in practice. And it's not even put it in practice. It's the fact that it's their natural setting. Yeah. It's in their DNA. That if you take care of the people around you, the rest takes care of itself. And that was easily, and I know it's not business oriented, but the ironic part is so many people make the mistake of treating business and personal relationships differently. I think if you implement advice on both sides, it works both ways. 100% it does. It's like if you take care of people in your personal life, good things will happen. Ironically, if you take care of people in your business life, but you take care of them at a personal level, good things will happen on your business as well. So that's easily the relationships as currency. I love it. That's great. Okay, Chris, I love hearing about who you are and what your story is. But now I really want to get into the meat and potatoes of what this episode is all about. And the topic that I want to talk about is motivation. I think you, I follow you on social media and you put a ton of great content and it motivates me. So know that, but that's what I want to talk about today. So my first question is like, how important are motivational quotes? Because people, you're consuming content. There's a point where you're consuming content, but you're not implementing it. So how important are those motivational quotes? It's tough to ask considering my whole, (laughs) my whole, my my whole persona. Yeah, no, I definitely, my whole persona is obviously motivational quotes. So I'll speak to myself first and foremost, the whole motivational quote thing started with me as a, a self-motivating tool. Okay. But then when I did it and we were actually looking at this on the flight here, it's all the fad now. Like I found it on my phone where I was doing my first motivational quotes in 2014. Right. You know, like we're five years in to this, right? Yep. And a lot of people think that it's like, oh, he's doing it because it's on trend. No, I'm old enough to be the OG in the motivational space. <laughs> but for me personally, it was finding that relatable quote that, yeah, in a 
term that you would use, like fired me up. But it yep. fired me up as in like, yes, that is what I believe in. What I did secondly was I would then post that and then I would journal my own perspective, right? right? This is what this means to me. And I think that in itself is what motivational quotes should be, right? They should almost be confirmations or reaffirming what you resonate with, yeah. right? But to your point, if you don't apply it, it means nothing, right? 100%. What I like about motivational quotes is it is that shot in the arm that you should immediately go and be able to apply, right? Where I find the books, like the, it's how many books do you read, right? And I think we've talked about that yep. um, off camera before. It's, you can't apply it. That's what I love about the motivational quote. It's that shot in the arm that it's up to you to start your day. I think everyone should read them in the morning. I know there's affirmations and everything else. Sure. I find we post very, very early in the morning. We post 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time because we want to hit everybody waking up across the country. Yep. And sure enough, our engagement, there's no coincidence that the highest uptick is in the morning because people want that shot of motivation. Good point. Because it sets you up for success, essentially, for the rest of the day. I think it just gets up, yeah, it gets you in the right mindset. People are so quick to get derailed by like something that happens in their morning kind right. of thing. Where, yeah, if you surround yourself with positivity, we're, before the cameras started rolling, <laughs> you said, you know, like something you're learning is like your network is your net worth, yes. right? It's like you surround yourself with good people. The same thing with thoughts, right? The thoughts that we carry in our mind is going to be, it dictates the energy that we bring into the day, right? For sure. And you get yourself in a positive mindset. 100%. Have you read the book Freakonomics? So I am ashamed to say I haven't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good book. It's a little different, yeah. but one of the main themes of it is that all humans respond to incentives or motivation. So right. what they're saying is that no matter what decision we make, there's an incentive behind it. It's usually an intrinsic incentive, whether that's, you know, drinking coffee, right? You drink coffee because you want that rush, right? Mm -hmm. Giving to charity, it yes. makes you feel good. Even though you're doing something good on, on the flip side, it still makes you feel good, right? right. So there's always some sort of incentive. Yeah. I follow, like I said, I follow you on social media and you did post something saying that money used to be a major motivator for you. Right. And that's since changed. Yeah. Can you talk about why that's changed and, and how it's changed? Yeah, so the reality is, I see this through the DMs that come through all the time. And there is a disclaimer to this, guys. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it or give you any illusion of grandeur or anything like that. Like, I don't want to lead people down the wrong path. To finally make sure that money isn't the driving force, you need to become financially secure. For sure. Right? Absolutely. There, there's not a switch where you're like, cool, I'm three months behind on rent, but you know what? <laughs> Zen. I don't care about money anymore. Right? <laughs> so that is really step one. It's like you've got to get to the point to where you are financially secure. But once that happens and you can let that go, my wife and I talked about that. Like a fun fact, here's a fun mortgage brokering fact. That story about the year severance. Yep. So here's how that story ends. Like I started in October. Well, the following July, it takes a while to get your pipeline going yep. and everything. I was reinvesting into the company like crazy. I was getting my marketing when nobody was doing marketing. Like I went all in on marketing. There was a point, my wife tells the story often as well. So I think I know she's okay with it. There was a point to where like, that year severance was gone. We had invested some of it that would made it untouchable, but the year severance was gone. And with a little bit of first year misplanning, which every mortgage broker has oh, done, yeah. had to put away for taxes, everything yep. else. We got down to like 53 bucks in the account. Yep. Right. So we revisited the fact that like, now that we've been blessed that we're financially secure and we've been able to let that go, you look back and so many of your stresses in relationships and everything else, nine times out of 10, it circles back to money. Right. So if you can get to the point where you can let it go. So for myself now, I, it was only recently, probably the last two, three years, mm -hmm. you know, when all my financial plans have started to come together yeah. and you you start to see the ROI of that 
kids really put a perspective yeah. on that as well, right? Absolutely. Where suddenly I had the security and now it's just legacy, right? So I had a really difficult upbringing. I had lost my parents when I was really young. I had no surviving family. So for me now, I've completely switched to legacy. How do we get to a point to where I can put everything into my wife and my kids and be something memorable and be something that inspires them? So I like that because when it comes to motivation, a lot of people look at, you ask them like, oh, what, what motivates you to do this? And they'll say, oh, it's my kids or my family, right? And those, while those are motivators, like they have to eat, you have to make money to feed them and house them, right? There's a lot of other motivators that are, I wouldn't say more important, but they help push you to that next level, right? And I think like to your point, legacy is probably a big one for you where you want a legacy. Where I know for myself, it's always this constant need to be the best, right? So it's yeah. kind of like this underlying motivator right. that really kind of makes you go with that extra distance. You want to be the cut above. Kind exactly. Of. Well, I think just to add on to that, like I think there's family, but I think also legacy for me is I went through something that a lot of people wouldn't share. Yeah. And if I can put that out there and inspire people, I did a quote not too long ago was my only hope with my content is somebody sees it, decides not to give up. Right. So now I've completely switched. I've gotten to a point, I think financial security, personal worth, self-worth and everything that the only thing I want to focus on now is, you know, can I broadcast that story and maybe inspire somebody else to take their next step of either releasing their, I think releasing their story yeah. is probably the right word absolutely, and just be free of it. Right. Yep. So legacy is kind of two pronged for me at this point. So I think we've all experienced the ups and downs with motivation and I call those peaks and valleys. So like you'll be super motivated, you can do anything. And then you got those lows where maybe you've had as a broker, we've all experienced, we've had some slow times, right? And then that slow time turns into a little bit longer than what you had hoped, your motivation kind of gets down. How does someone get out of that? Like, you know, they've experienced that high, now they're in this low. How do you get out of that low? This is going to sound... Yeah, I'm just going to say, because I, I saw the questions in <laughs> yeah, advance. Yeah. Sorry to ruin the movie magic, guys, but we do screen the questions a little bit. And uh, you guys can't see Brendan behind the cameras. He's a testament, and please message anyone I've ever worked with. So I don't have lows. And okay. I feel very confident saying that because yep. like contact my old office, send Brendan a message. Like that guy's around me 24-7. I only have one speed. I don't understand the idea of demotivating. Okay. Truth be told, though, don't understand why my wiring is broken. Like people always ask, like, how do I keep your level of motivation? I have no idea. Yeah. I love what I do. I've set goals up, and maybe this ties it in. I've set goals up that I constantly have to chase. Right. And I think that's where the lulls come from, right? It's especially in mortgage brokering. We see it all the time. What do you guys do? You hit the streets, you take the realtors out begrudgingly, yep. you do your marketing. Pipeline fills up. Oh crap, I'm busy. I got to process all these yeah. deals. You don't do all the regular stuff and you close the deals. You get paid, but the pipeline, the momentum stopped. Right. And then you're like, whoa. Now there's no goals to look forward to. There's no goal. Exactly. So I, I think maybe it's because I have 10 year, five year, three year, and one year personal and business goals yep. that are constantly updated. And going back to that journal, I am constantly chasing. Maybe that's it. Well, I think you have like, you've got these macro goals and then you're breaking them down to these micro goals where it's like in your journal, you got these daily goals that you're striving for. Every day there's a carrot to chase. And maybe that's the secret. It's funny. Like we shoot a lot of content looking over at Brendan now, and I've never actually been able to nail that down until this moment where maybe that is it. And maybe there's something to that that we'll need to elaborate on yeah. uh, in another time. But yeah, it's the constant chasing. So now if you're not like that, the only advice I can give is probably this line. It is all your fault. And what I mean with that is like, 
There's no BS. There's no excuses. If you're not where you want to be, that's on you. And I think if you can come to a point where you can absorb that and understand that, I think that's going to be the kick in the pants you need. I think so. I think as brokers, it's so easy for us when we're slow. It's so easy for us to blame the government for uh, mortgage rules, the market, realtors or referral sources. It's so easy for us to blame other people when really it's just, we need to take a look at what we're doing and adapt to mortgage changes or yeah. referrals not coming in or whatever, right? Yeah. So. Well, let's take that one step further. And actually, that's a really good point. So even if you get the deal, guys, if your underwriter's slow, oh, he's, oh, they're coming back and asking me too many questions. Were you all documents up front? Were your notes good? Like one interesting thing was I was a high producing broker. So I was anywhere between 75 to 100 deals a year myself. No underwriter, no assistant. Yes. I realized that was an error. I should have done an underwriter and that's a whole other episode. So don't put it in the comments. I know that was a mistake. But the reason I bring up the volume is like, I understand high volume. Yes. And now I'm in a very fortunate position that I get to watch 1700 plus mortgage brokers and how they do their files and everything else. A lot of times there's excuses. All oh, the underwriters slowing me down. And then you ask to see their notes or you go into, or, or you ask to see the dashboard and the underwriter's still waiting on like four docs. Guys, that's on you. Yep. Go in clean. Why? There is never a reason to not go in all docs up front. Yes, you might get conditioned. The NOAs come in and the income doesn't quite make sense. So they want to see a T1 to make sure, you know, whatever. I yep. get it. But if you go in as clean as possible. So yeah, a lot of times there's, it's so easy to get caught up in excuses even when you have a deal in, chances are it could be your fault sometimes. I agree. Probably most of the time it's your fault. Yeah. Like that's so. But that's not a bad thing. It's not. The and sooner I, you can come to accept that, you can start making changes, the better off you are. And that's just it. It's like, so for myself, I was that guy. Right. I was that guy where I didn't collect documents up front and I was constantly asking for extensions on condition removal, right? right. And then when I realized, I'm like, this isn't an underwriter problem or a lender problem. This is a me problem, yeah. you know? So now I start asking for all documents up front. Yeah. I haven't asked for an extension on conditions for right. over a year. Well, it comes with confidence too, right? Like in the beginning, I didn't either. But then you get to the point in your career where you know you have your underwriter's respect. You know if you bring your A game, how fast you could turn things around. Yep. So I noticed my proposition to the client completely changed where I was like, look, guys, this is how it works. You came to a mortgage broker because we negotiate the best deal for you. And we have a variety of different lenders. Well, how do you want this to go? I submit your deal in pieces and then I'm asking for favors or do we want to go in clean? Do we want to go and say, look, it's all organized. It's all together. Here's the documents. All you have to do is stamp approved. Now, when those two scenarios, which one do you think is going to get approved? Not only faster, but when I'm asking for that favor on a lower rate or an exception of yep. some sort, which scenario do you think you're going to get? And you get the buy-in from the client right away. Yeah, they're not so, saying no to that. Suddenly it's like, help me help you. You flip the script, right? Yep. But that only comes with confidence and time. For sure. For sure. Chris, you gave us some great content about motivation. Now I want to move into rapid fire questions. Oh so okay. Scott Peckford has these rapid fire questions that he usually hammers out to his guests. Okay. And so you can answer them quickly or add as much information as you'd like. Uh, first one is, what is holding most mortgage brokers back from being successful? Excuses. Yeah. Like really more than anything, like guys, you could go to a dinner party. You could go to an event. You could go to Kingsman, like anything. Do you know how easy it is to get in front of people nowadays? So especially yeah. with social media, internet, yeah, everything. Yeah. But they'll do a generic paid ad and then wonder why they didn't get a lead and everything else. They're low quality leads anyways, guys, like nothing 
beats relationships. Like go out there and meet people. So I think, and secondly would be accountability, right? Setting up those goals. Like if you don't have a plan, guys, I've said this a hundred times, a plan is a map. If you don't know where you're going and you don't have your cell phone, you don't have GPS and you don't have a map, how are you ever going to get to the destination, right? Your success is the exact same way. You don't map it out, reverse engineer it. And there's two ways to reverse engineer it. Putting my current role hat back on for a second, so I apologize. <laughs> you got to reverse engineer it. It's either how many units do I want to do and then reverse engineer that. And we can do that in a different podcast, obviously, yep. or how much money I want to make. And then you got to figure out, you know, what's your average deal post split? Yep. What's your closing ratio? So you know how many leads you need to generate, which is always the mistake. Like if you have a 50% closing ratio and you want to close 50 deals, well, guess what? You need a hundred applications, right? And people don't go that extra mile. 2020 is coming up. Like guys, business plan this. And you should have a roadmap broken into literally the activities that you do week to week, right? So I I would have to say the brokers, it's not the lenders, it's not the rule changes, because guess what, guys? There's a lot of successful brokers that are dealing with the same things you are. That's great information. What software or application can you not live without? And I'm not saying your phone or anything that, I mean like something that's going to provide some value. So in the spirit of rapid fire, yep. iCalendar and uh, contacts. Yep. But I'll give it a little bit more credit than that. Uh, calendar because of my journaling, right? Okay. I am dead in the water without my calendar. For sure. So I don't just use it as a, where do I need to be today? Yep. Right? So that would be that one. And then contacts. And I know there's another guy much taller than me that looks like me that does the same role as me yep. somewhere else. <laughs> and he talks about, he brags about how many contacts he has. And that's all well and good. Contacts for me is a little bit different. So for example, you and I. Yep. After this meeting, when I'm back in my Uber on my way to the airport, anything you and I talked about, your future aspirations, how the year you had, your goals, I'm going back into your name and my contacts. I'm putting the date and I'm putting key details. That is genius. Next time I fly out, when I'm in the Uber on the way back, I'm reading an update. When I come in, and there's been things that I talked to you about, I was like, remember you did this and this? like. Guys, the, <laughs> yeah, it, that's probably my favorite tip of 2019. Every time you interact with somebody, get back in that contact section, there's a notes section, guys, and start diarizing this stuff. You want to talk about making connections with relationships? Start documenting and then talking. Remind somebody that you remember their kids, you remember their dog, you remember their business goals. Like, show them that you're bought in, right? So that would be, now, in the spirit of apps, giftogram. So gift-a-gram. What is that? I have used this for five, six years. Okay. Uh, I've been told I was one of their first customers. Okay. So it is an app where there's all sorts of retail items, whether it be like baby stuff. There is a specific like client section, shop for men, shop for women. You can do alcohol, you can do flowers, you can do chocolates, anything. Yep. But it allows you to do it on the fly. And what it is, is you go and pick out your gift and you just say, gift this. You can put in either, I can put in either your email address or your uh, phone number number. for a text. Hit send, whichever one I've deemed, or you could do both. You're going to get a text saying, Chris has sent you something. Click the link to process the order. So I'm getting a text today. You're you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Tune in to see what I got. Um, And all it is is basically like, you know, Chris Turcotte has sent you a gift. Where would you like it sent? Wow. And you put in the address and then you have no idea what it is. And that's the best part, right? So it was great for me. Guys, we're all busy. I totally get it. I could, uh, whether it be a lender partner, whether it be a client, whether it be someone in our um, in our Centum family or beyond, I can do gifts on the fly. Scott's talked about this on the podcast before. I think it was called Gusto was the other one that's yeah. similar to yeah. that. Yeah. So that's interesting. We'll throw that in the 
episode notes so I, that people I take a look at. I absolutely out. love it. I have used it religiously for easily five, six years. Love it. Next question. Book would you recommend? I know you have, you read a lot of books. Yeah, You yeah. have Chris Turcott's book club on Amazon. I do. Uh, so what, uh, what book would you recommend? That's tough. So two of them. One would be um, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Yep. It really does a good job of articulating the benefits of consistency. Okay. Right? And also breaking down the fact that the compound effect of doing little simple things daily. Like your journal. Like the journal. Right. Like in the grand scheme of things, guys, that's not brain surgery. It's just the simple fact of holding yourself accountable to doing it and then showing how those efforts evolve over time. That'd be number one. Number two is a weird one that not a lot of people have have read. It's called the E-Myth Revisited. Okay. We can probably link that up. It is in the Amazon store. The concept behind it is very much the franchising concept that can be applied to anything in your business. It's how to implement systems and processes so that no matter who steps into your business, the same result can be created. And they use the McDonald's example is probably the biggest takeaway. They have such a system that you just got to hit a button to put the mustard, the ketchup, everything else. And it's such a process that the employee is completely interchangeable. And at the end of the day, the result will be exactly the same every single time. When you get to the end of the book, when you first start reading it, you're like, yeah, but I'm not a franchiser. Yeah, but I don't have a burger shop. By the time you get to the end of it, you're like, oh my goodness, I could implement this into anything. I did it in my broker business. The client experience when the first time they met me to the gift at the end to the call to action that went out for the five-star review was the exact same every single time. I highly recommend that book. Love it. Last question that I have for you. This is Scott's infamous question. It's the DeLorean question. Oh no. So how it goes is if you could go back in time to the first day that you started as a mortgage broker and you had 15 minutes to give yourself advice from the future, three things, what would that be? First thing I'd probably say is self- you're not going to believe this, but we get uglier. Um, <laughs> three things. Okay. <clears throat> Number one would definitely be relationships or currency. Go all in on the relationships and the people around you. Two, accept the fact that it's all your fault as quickly as possible. Yep. You know, ditch the excuses. It doesn't matter what's thrown in front of you. You can get through it. And three would be, I'm going to go two prong. <laughs> It would be save for taxes. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I think 100%. a lot of us have been through that. All of us have been through it, but like, if you're a brand new broker watching this, like, yes, I know things are lean, and I get it. Money is tight, and everything else, and you have all these plans. But you know what really sucks? Finding out you have an amazing first year, and then realizing you have to double it because not only do you have to pay next year's taxes, but you have to catch up on this year's taxes. Yeah. So that would be definitely be uh, rule number three. But if I could piggyback on that, it would be creating that process from the very beginning because so many people flounder through it. And then you look back and I look back at the first year. Now, luckily I did go back and do it all, Yep. but it just, it'd be so heartbreaking. I hate when brokers realize two, three, maybe four years in the value of a clean process I know your instinct is to go out and get the leads and everything else. Yep. You've got more downtime than you admit. Oh, and that, that would probably be tagged into one of those. You have 24 hours in a day. Yep. You sleep for six. And yes, I say six. Everyone's like, oh, I need eight. You watch Netflix till one in the morning. You don't get six hours sleep. And if you have kids, you're not getting eight hours sleep. You're getting yeah. six hours sleep. You go to the office for maybe eight. Like, what are you doing with the other 10? Right. And then that's the big thing. You have time to put a process in place. That would be it. I love it. That's great information. 
This was so fun. this was fun. I had a great time. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? So you can find me, uh, social media is the easiest way to find me pretty much everywhere. The handle is, uh, at Chris Turcott with a single underscore at the end. I'm very, very easy to find. There you go. And I highly recommend you check out his Instagram. You've got some great content on there, stories, posts, it all, he always responds back. So if you guys had need any advice, send him a message. He'll respond. 100%. Chris, thanks for flying in here yep. from Vancouver with your video guy. For those of you that don't know, I'm sure you got the, uh, the hints throughout, but we're doing the audio version of this podcast. And then the video version is also going to be posted on the I Love Mortgage Brokering Facebook group. And if you're not a part of that, join it. There's a ton of information on there. So thanks everyone for listening. And thanks again, Chris, for coming by. Thanks, Chris. Hey, Broker Nation. Thanks for checking out this episode where Chris Kalinske interviewed Chris Turcott. One of my favorite takeaways was Chris is sharing that it's all your fault. You really do need to skip the blame game. It's a game that you personally will always lose. I kind of think of it like you're stomping your foot on a rake because you're angry and then the rake swings up and hits you in the face. The blame game does not work. Take ownership. Love that lesson from Chris. Thanks again to our sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is the fastest growing mortgage origination platform in Canada, according to Philogix. A couple quick things I love about Finmo. First, they designed their app from the ground up with a borrower in mind, which means it's super simple for them to use. They'll actually fill it out. This reduces friction in the mortgage process. Second, they make document collection really easy. As your client is filling out the app, they're automatically figuring out what documents that the client's going to need. And when they hit send, they get sent a list of documents they need to gather. And they have a portal where they can collect them for you. That makes it easy. And finally, they recognize that we mortgage brokers, we like to do things different. We all run our businesses differently. So they integrate it with Zapier, which means Finmo can digitally connect to any of your favorite tools and apps. Check out Finmo.com slash Scott. That's Finmo.com slash Scott to sign up for Finmo. You receive a 30-day free trial of Finmo Pro. They have amazing customer support and will help you hit the ground running. Finmo is the skip the dishes of mortgages.